the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the 5 a.m. Hustle podcast. Get ready to learn about personal development and entrepreneurship in the new era. I'm your host, Jack Constantine. Let's go. So, Hans, so we talked about um, the idea of switching kind of a, a head before the fires come up, before issues come up. But what about um, the idea of innovation you talk about in your book? I thought it was very interesting on how you talked about like creating that small team to work on just creating those new ideas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. The idea comes from the skunk works model that was uh, championed by Lockheed Martin back in the day, where while they had their traditional R&D department that was still constrained by, um, you know, personnel requirements and restrictions and uh, budgetary restrictions and limitations, you had this clandestine team, secret team off the books that had a bottomless budget. And basically they were told, go play in the sand, try to invent the plane try to invent the technology that would put us out of put us out of business you basically created a competitor within the organization and you ran controlled experiments like that that's a question that i ask my team all the time i say what business would take us out of business let's design that let's imagine that and there's so many ways that you can operationalize that so that it doesn't become a one-off question you can uh allocate people's resources towards it, their, their most valuable resource, their time. Google used to do this back in the day with their 80-20 rule. 80% of your time was spent on your day-to-day and 20% of your time was spent on passion projects. Now, what did those passion projects result in? Check this out. Google AdSense, Gmail, Google Maps. A lot of the G Suite now that we assume came from structured innovation actually came from uh, you know, uh, that, that, that we assume came from traditional R&D actually came from structured innovation. Um, I've also heard of the 70-30-10 rule. That's another way that you can divide up people's times. Hackathons are a perfect example of this too, where you galvanize support from across the organization, but from the wider community to solve a very specific problem. Innovation is the key to visualizing that point that every organization arrives at. You know, every organization, if you think about a traditional life cycle, they're introduced they grow, they mature. And then once they've matured, they have to decide, are they going to renew themselves? And if they don't renew themselves, the only other option is a decline. The way that you can position yourself well in advance to renew once you arrive at that fourth inflection point is to innovate, to change long in advance. And you know, too many times, and you've seen this throughout the pandemic, organizations were caught off guard and they tried to innovate during the pandemic. And some of them were successful. Many of them uh, weren't. And McKinsey, they ran a study of 6,000 executives, I believe, and they found that uh, anytime an organization attempts to transform itself, anytime they attempt to change, they fail 40% of the time or or uh, between 40 to 60% of the time, I forget the stat. And Harvard Business Review ran the same exercise and they pegged the number even higher. Um, Yeah, I think it was 60-80, not 40-60, 60-80. So basically, 
If you follow that logic, most organizations will inevitably fail. And they'll inevitably fail because they've lost sight of the changing world around them. That's the number one reason why organizations fail. And innovation is all about preventing that from happening to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think especially when you're considering that level of innovation, that passion project um, comes to mind to me a lot. I have a friend who is um, currently interning at like Procter & Gamble. Um, and he has something very similar. It's like an hour of like structured free time. And it's literally whatever you want. You could read a book, you could like um, work on something else. But I think the people behind that idea know that people working there will inevitably get back to doing something that will only benefit their company. He's like a, like a, he's like a CS major. So something coding related. Um, and like, he has a lot of passion projects on the side. And so I think a lot of them know that by implementing that kind of time, you'll only get benefits for the company. And, you know, worst case scenario, the employees are happy to be there for a little longer to do something that really interests them. 100%. And all the research backs that up. I mean, I was reading recently, I think Yale did a, I think, no, actually not Yale. Um, yeah, and Yale did a, did a supporting study around this, but Harvard put out a study recently, uh, put out a report where, where they found that the best predictor of beating burnout in an organization, and, and the worst thing that can happen to your people is that they burn out, they become husks of themselves, and they're not productive and hampering the overall organization. Uh, the best predictor of beating burnout is a manageable workload, usually constrained under 50 hours, where people have just enough work that keeps them motivated, just enough work that gives them that gives them feeling of fulfillment, and that is actually focused on the right things. And there's another principle that that illustrates this: the Yerkes-Dodson principle, which shows that if the level of challenge or difficulty is too high, then your performance is low. And if the challenge or difficulty is too low, then your performance is also low. You want the right amount of challenge, the right amount of difficulty. And you want to ensure that people can work through a pretty intense work week of 50, 40, 50 hours, feel refreshed, feel replenished, and then come back ready to rock and dream and innovate and think creatively and critically again. Because if you just keep on grinding people down, if you're putting them through these slogs of 80-hour work weeks, they're not going to have innovative capacity. They're not going to be able to think about new ideas. They're not going to have the patience. They're not going to be bored. And boredom is, is, is a very... Um, undeniable precursor to breakthrough productivity and creativity. You have to give people as counterintuitive as it sounds, the space to get bored, the space to dream, the space to think big. I was yeah. uh, listening, uh, I was watching a YouTube channel and this guy's, uh, he's like, I think 24, 25 years old and he's fairly successful on YouTube. And he was talking about how um, in the morning or kind of in the afternoon when he lacks motivation, either make a video or make some sort of content, whether it be on his podcast or other platforms, he'll sit in silence for a few minutes as long as it takes to be like, I want to do something. And that's something he makes productive instead of just going on his phone, which you can do for hours and not even notice. So he forces himself to be uncomfortable in the silence of himself. And then is like, I'm sick of this. I want to be doing at least this other thing rather than just being here by myself in, in my own thought. And so I thought that was like an oh, interesting way of doing that. Dude, I love that. Silence has been my, one of my secrets. I mean, I, I, my mornings are so slow because my days from 9am onwards or 10am is when our first stand up happens from 10am onwards i'm just in meetings talking to people constantly there's so much external chatter and some days it becomes really reactive uh, those mornings are special man i wake up and for the first 4 hours of the day it's just like me my thoughts maybe an audiobook maybe some music but at least half an hour to an hour in the morning is just uh, you know white noise just pure silence 
to that end, I would recommend a guy, uh, you guys watch this movie if you haven't already, The Sound of Metal. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an Oscar contender, excellent movie about this very topic, about the transformative power of silence. Uh, it's about a, a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing. And I'll just leave it at that. Trust me, mm-hmm. you're not going to regret watching this. Yeah, I watched, I mean, I've heard about it. Um, that's not on my list as well. Sounds like a very cool movie. Um, yeah, so just wrapping up, Jack, you want to hit us with the last question? Yeah, so I got two questions for you, Hamza. And sure. kind of funny, uh, this is the first re- reoccurring guest. So we already know our two questions, so we're kind of switching it up on you. So the first one um, is, what are some actual steps for those who are not in obvious leadership positions? Some obvious steps for people who are not in, sorry, some actionable steps for people who are not in obvious leadership positions. And and this is to be self-motivated. This is to be led by them and not, we're not speaking about it from a leader's perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, The first thing that I would recommend that you do is uh, learn, right? Uh, Pick up some books. Don't, not leadership reinvented might be, further down the line, but pick up some books of people who you think are great leaders. And there's many autobiographies that I could recommend to you. I mean, um, if you want a really good one that comes to mind right away, it's Satya Nadella's uh, Hit Refresh. That's an excellent book. Bob Iger's Ride of a Lifetime, great book as well. Um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is another excellent one. Pick up these books and immerse yourself into the psyche of a leader, understand their philosophies, their struggles, their arcs, their ups, downs, their thought process, you know, take notes. Your highlighter is going to be your best friend. Um, you know, mark that book up, leave, leave your, your thoughts in, 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 in the margins, you know, write a blog post about it, write a summary, talk to your friends about it, really just immerse yourself in that world. Understand that these are people who have reached the upper echelons of leadership, who are doing leadership in a way that we agree upon as a society is the most effective way to do it. And so start with the end in mind. This is where you want to go. And then reverse engineer their careers down to practices, down to habits, down to actionable insights that you can bring into your life every single day. What are some habits that they have? What time do they wake up? What books are they reading? Um, you know, how do they approach uh, uh, innovation and how do, they, how do they deal with conflict? So the more you can add to your toolbox, the better. Start with that. Start by immersing yourself into the contemporary and even historical ner- literature around leadership and autobiographies are the best place to start, in my opinion. Awesome. And the second question is a little bit um, of a twist in the question we usually ask, which is, what have you learned since we've had you on the podcast? Has there been anything that has um, stuck out to you um, that you can kind of um, give us a piece of advice or any um, sort of knowledge? Ooh, so much. Question. Very broad So question. much, so much. I mean, I, I got I to gotta pick very carefully. And, um, you know, if I, if I think about it too much, I may never pick one because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm shuffling through them like a binder of Yu-Gi-Oh cards right now. I'm going to pick one that comes to mind right away, which is uh, precision and focus. And, and, and not, not saying more than needs to be said. And I know that I'm guilty of this. I'm probably guilty of this on the podcast itself, but I know that that comes from a place of being nervous. I know that comes from, you know, some, some vagaries of imposter syndrome that I'm still working through right now. I think people need to step into their power 
and you know, be, be themselves. I know that sounds like something that you would, you know, have on a t-shirt or on an Instagram quote, but there is real power to Namish being himself, to Jack being himself, to Hamza being himself and not faking it, not pretending like we'd know everything. It's okay to not know the answers to things and the things that you do know, speak about them with conviction, speak about them with passion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm this guy that's just trying to figure it out just like everyone else, like all the listeners here, I'm moving through the world with an open mind um, and I'm, I'm doing my best to regurgitate and represent and refract the ideas and experiences that I'm having in as few words as possible. Um, and the reason is that if I, if I drone on and on and if I try to make it convoluted and if I try to represent the ideas the way that they play out in my head, I'm going to lose people. And I think that if I were to select my words carefully, if I were to choose my expression of my ideas with precision, that I think not only will they resonate, but they'll also allow me to find the essence of them. Awesome. Well, Hamza, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, real quick, I'll allow, you, I'll allow you to give yourself a plug of where they can find you and also where they can get your book. Hey, man. Thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate this opportunity to be back. Um, the book can be found at leadershipreinvented.co. Uh, it's available anywhere books are sold. And speaking about precision and focus, you can find everything there's to know about me at humzak.com. One handy link that has a link out to everything else. Awesome. That's it for today's episode of the 5M Hustle Podcast. As always, guys, peace.
So Hans, so we talked about um, the idea of switching kind of a, a head before the fires come up, before issues come up. But what about um, the idea of innovation you talk about in your book? I thought it was very interesting on how you talked about like creating that small team to work on just creating those new ideas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. The idea comes from the skunk works model that was uh, championed by Lockheed Martin back in the day where while they had their traditional R&D department that was still constrained by um, you know, personnel requirements and restrictions and uh, budgetary restrictions and limitations, you had this clandestine team, secret team off the books that had a bottomless budget. And basically they were told, go play in the sand, try to invent the plane, try to invent the technology that would put us out of put us out of business. You basically created a competitor within the organization and you ran controlled experiments like that. That's a question that I ask my team all the time. I say, what business would take us out of business? Let's design that. Let's imagine that. And there's so many ways that you can operationalize that so that it doesn't become a one-off question. You can uh, allocate people's resources towards it, their, their most valuable resource, their time. Google used to do this back in the day with their 80-20 rule. 80% of your time was spent on your day-to-day and 20% of your time was spent on passion projects. Now, what did those passion projects result in? Check this out. Google AdSense, Gmail, Google Maps. A lot of the G Suite now that we assume came from structured innovation actually came from uh, you know, uh, that, that, that we assume came from traditional R&D actually came from structured innovation. Um, I've also heard of the 70-30-10 rule. That's another way that you can divide up people's times. Hackathons are a perfect example of this too, where you galvanize support from across the organization, but from the wider community to solve a very specific problem. Innovation is the key to visualizing that point that every organization arrives at. You know, every organization, if you think about a traditional life cycle, they're introduced, they grow, they mature. And then once they've matured, they have to decide, are they going to renew themselves? And if they don't renew themselves, the only other option is a decline. The way that you can position yourself well in advance to renew once you arrive at that fourth inflection point is to innovate, to change long in advance. And, you know, too many times, and you've seen this throughout the pandemic, organizations were caught off guard and they tried to innovate during the pandemic. And some of them were successful. Many of them uh, weren't. And McKinsey, they ran a study of 6,000 executives, I believe. And they found that uh, anytime an organization attempts to transform itself, anytime they attempt to change, they fail 40% of the time or, or something, between 40 to 60% of the time. I forget the stat. And Harvard Business Review ran the same exercise and they put, pegged the number even higher. Um, yeah, I think it was 60-80, not 40-60, 60-80. So basically, if you follow that logic, most organizations will inevitably fail. And they'll inevitably fail because they've lost sight of the changing world around them. That's the number one reason why organizations fail. And innovation is all about preventing that from happening to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think especially when you're considering that level of innovation, that passion project um, comes to mind to me a lot. I have a friend who is um, currently interning at like Procter & Gamble. Um, and he has something very similar. It's like an hour of like structured free time. And it's literally whatever you want. You could read a book, you could like um, work on something else. But I think the people behind that idea know that people working there will inevitably get back to doing something that will only benefit their company. He's like a, like a, he's like a CS major. So something coding related. 
Um, and like he has a lot of passion projects on the side. And so I think a lot of them know that by implementing that kind of time, you'll only get benefits for the company. And, you know, worst case scenario, the employees are happy to be there for a little longer to do something that really interests them. 100%. And all the research backs that up. I mean, I was reading recently, I think Yale did a, I think, no, actually not Yale. Um, yeah, and Yale did a, did a did supporting study around this, but Harvard put out a study recently, uh, put out a report where, where they found that the best predictor of beating burnout in an organization, and, and the worst thing that can happen to your people is that they burn out, they become husks of themselves, and they're not productive and hampering the overall organization. Uh, the best predictor of beating burnout is a manageable workload, usually constrained under 50 hours, where people have just enough work that keeps them motivated, just enough work that gives them that gives them feeling of fulfillment, and that is actually focused on the right things. And there's another principle that that illustrates this: the Yerkes-Dodson principle, which shows that if the level of challenge or difficulty is too high, then your performance is low. And if the challenge or difficulty is too low, then your performance is also low. You want the right amount of challenge, the right amount of difficulty. And you want to ensure that people can work through a pretty intense work week of 50, 40, 50 hours, feel refreshed, feel replenished, and then come back ready to rock and dream and innovate and think creatively and critically again. Because if you just keep on grinding people down, if you're putting them through these slogs of 80-hour work weeks, they're not going to have innovative capacity. They're not going to be able to think about new ideas. They're not going to have the patience. They're not going to be bored. And boredom is, is, is a very... Um, undeniable precursor to breakthrough productivity and creativity. You have to give people as counterintuitive as it sounds, the space to get bored, the space to dream, the space to think big. I was yeah. uh, listening, uh, I was watching a YouTube channel and this guy's, uh, he's like, I think 24, 25 years old and he's fairly successful on YouTube. And he was talking about how um, in the morning or kind of in the afternoon when he lacks motivation, either make a video or make some sort of content, whether it be on his podcast or other platforms, He'll sit in silence for a few minutes, as long as it takes to be like, I want to do something. And that's something he makes productive instead of just going on his phone, which you can do for hours and not even notice. So he forces himself to be uncomfortable in the silence of himself. And then is like, I'm sick of this. I want to be doing at least this other thing rather than just being here by myself in, in my own thought. And so I thought that was like an oh, interesting way of doing that. Dude, I love that. Silence has been my, one of my secrets. I mean, I, I, my mornings are so slow because my days from 9am onwards or 10am is when our first stand up happens from 10am onwards i'm just in meetings talking to people constantly there's so much external chatter and some days it becomes really reactive uh, those mornings are special man i wake up and for the first 4 hours of the day it's just like me my thoughts maybe an audiobook maybe some music but at least half an hour to an hour in the morning is just uh, you know white noise just pure silence to that end, I would recommend a guy. Uh, you guys watch this movie if you haven't already. The Sound of Metal. It's a it's 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 an Oscar contender. Excellent movie about this very topic about the transformative power of silence. Uh, it's about a, a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing, and I'll just leave it at that. Trust me, mm -hmm. you're not going to regret watching this. Yeah, I watched. I mean, I've heard about it. Um, that's not on my list as well. Sounds like a very cool movie. Um, yeah, so just wrapping up, Jack, you want to hear his last question? Yeah, so I got two questions for you, Hamza, and sure. it's kind of funny. Uh, this is the first re reoccurring guest, so we already know our two questions, so we're kind of switching it up on you. So the first one um, is, what are some actual steps for those who are not in obvious leadership positions? Ooh, some obvious steps for people who are not in – sorry, some actionable, actionable steps, steps for people – 
better we're than not in obvious leadership positions and and this is to be self-motivated this is to be led by them and not we're not speaking about it from a leader's perspective yeah okay um the first thing that i would recommend that you do is uh, learn right uh pick up some books don't not leadership reinvented might be further down the line, but pick up some books of people who you think are great leaders. And there's many autobiographies that I could recommend to you. I mean, um, if you want a really good one that comes to mind right away, it's Satya Nadella's uh, Hit Refresh. That's an excellent book. Bob Iger's Ride of a Lifetime, great book as well. Um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is another excellent one. Pick up these books and immerse yourself into the psyche of a leader, understand their philosophies, their struggles, their arcs, their ups, downs, their thought process, you know, take notes. Your highlighter is going to be your best friend. Um, you know, mark that book up, leave, leave your, your thoughts in, 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 in the margins, you know, write a blog post about it, write a summary, talk to your friends about it, really just immerse yourself in that world. Understand that these are people who have reached the upper echelons of leadership, who are doing leadership in a way that we agree upon as a society is the most effective way to do it. And so start with the end in mind. This is where you want to go. And then reverse engineer their careers down to practices, down to habits, down to actionable insights that you can bring into your life every single day. What are some habits that they have? What time do they wake up? What books are they reading? Um, you know, how do they approach uh, uh, innovation and how do, they, how do they deal with conflict? So the more you can add to your toolbox, the better. Start with that. Start by immersing yourself into the contemporary and even historical literature around leadership and autobiographies are the best place to start, in my opinion. Awesome. And the second question is a little bit um, of a twist in the question we usually ask, which is, what have you learned since we've had you on the podcast? Has there been anything that has um, stuck out to you um, that you can kind of um, give us a piece of advice or any um, sort of knowledge? Ooh, so much. Question. Very broad So question. much, so much. I mean, I, I got I to gotta pick very carefully. And, um, you know, if I, if I think about it too much, I may never pick one because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm shuffling through them like a binder of Yu-Gi-Oh cards right now. I'm going to pick one that comes to mind right away, which is uh, precision and focus. And, and, and not, not saying more than needs to be said. And I know that I'm guilty of this. I'm probably guilty of this on the podcast itself, but I know that that comes from a place of being nervous. I know that comes from, you know, some, some vagaries of imposter syndrome that I'm still working through right now. I think people need to step into their power and, you know, be, be themselves. I know that sounds like something that you would, you know, have on a t-shirt or on an Instagram quote, but there is real power to Namish being himself, to Jack being himself, to Hamza being himself and not faking it, not pretending like we'd know everything. It's okay to not know the answers to things and the things that you do know, speak about them with conviction, speak about them with passion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm this guy that's just trying to figure it out, just like everyone else, like all the listeners here. I'm moving through the world with an open mind, um, and I'm, I'm doing my best to regurgitate and represent and refract the ideas and experiences that I'm having in as few words as possible. Um, and the reason is that if I, if I drone on and on, and if I try to make it convoluted, and if I try to represent the ideas the way that they play out in my head, I'm going to lose people. And I think that if I were to select my words carefully, if I were to choose my expression of my ideas with precision, 
And I think not only will they resonate, but they'll also allow me to find the essence of them. Awesome. Well, Hamza, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, real quick, I'll allow, you, I'll allow you to give yourself a plug of where they can find you and also where they can get your book. Hey, man. Thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate this opportunity to be back. Um, the book can be found at leadershipreinvented.co. Uh, it's available anywhere books are sold. And speaking about precision and focus, you can find everything there's to know about me at humzak.com. One handy link that has a link out to everything else. Awesome. That's it for today's episode of the 5 Hustle Podcast. As always, guys, peace.